0: Hello and welcome back to this installment of Changemakers. Today we are discussing one of my favorite topics, influencers, and more importantly, how influencers can use their platform to promote change. We often ask the question, can fashion ever be truly sustainable? According to BBC Futures, more of us now understand that the fashion industry accounts for about 10% of global carbon emissions and nearly 20% of wastewater. And while the environmental impact of flying is now well-known, fashion uses more energy than both aviation and shipping combined. This is Changemakers, presented by Sustainably Influenced, a five-part mini-series focusing on the people and businesses making impactful changes in the sustainable fashion space today. I'm your host, Yanka Foley. So what does it actually mean to be influenced? Throughout history, individuals have had various ways to be influenced by conformity, tradition, culture, or even on the flip side, defying societal structures, moving into their own definitions of individuality. In today's world, the ways to be influenced spans across a multitude of areas. A significant mention is social media and the Internet. Which play a huge role on how we live, work, think, act, dress, digest information and even more. A person, group of people or even a platform have the capacity to influence and educate their audience through informative posts, creative videos or other innovative forms of content creation. Why are influencers so important in the sustainability space? I think they hold great importance In this area, as often the sometimes complex scientific information provided on the climate crisis can lead to an overwhelming sense of existential guilt. As a result, the inactivity of action and people believe their actions are too little to make a change. I have felt this myself in the past, and that's why I believe that one small change can lead to huge differences The nature of social media influencing allows minimal, digestible content and information to be given at any one time. Whether influencers are promoting the leading sustainable fashion brands to look towards or sharing the damaging effects of overconsumption and transparency of brands, this small step-by-step advice reworks the fast fashion narrative social media has promoted for way too long. Influencing audiences to have a more conscious, sustainable, focused approach to life can begin a powerful catalyst of change for themselves and the countless others they are sharing their content with. I want to talk about a few areas where influencers are making a difference, but I think it's worth noting that we can't disregard some of the bad that has happened on social media with regards to influencers and how many fast fashion influencers are causing a lot of the overconsumption and issues that have happened over the past few years. And whether that be in terms of like massive thousand pounds, Shein, Boohoo, pretty little thingholes, and then the returns that come after that. But on the flip side, there are ways that influencers are actually making a difference. And as a result of the pandemic, people were sort of left without the means to go out and shop their kind of usual fast fashion brands. Although they did turn to online methods, but it did have a lot of advantages in reducing the overconsumption in fashion. Many people, specifically Gen Z, engaged with influencers on TikTok who provided innovative and creative ways to make your own clothes, but also utilize what it is that you already have. The video social media content platform, TikTok, rose to popularity during the pandemic. Due to that focus on staying at home and consumers then turning towards the internet, the potential that TikTok has as an educational platform became really apparent. In 2021, the platform began promoting the hashtag, Did You Know, which now has 22.6 billion views. Increasingly, brands are reaching Gen Z by partnering with influencers who are successful at driving engagement through education many influencers have grown large audiences by providing information on climate change sustainability or the lack thereof in fashion today's guests are lara adkins mira Mamani, and andrea chung who are all influencers utilizing their platforms not only on tiktok but also instagram to affect change My former co-host, Charlotte Williams, and I spoke to our guests as part of the Coach Tomorrow's Vintage Conception Store and Pop-Up, located in Spitalfields Market, London. I will say one thing, I hope that you are ready because this is quite a lengthy episode, so I hope you've got a good cup of tea ready. Coach created the Coach Reloved programme, a circular ecosystem for refurbishing, reimagining and recycling pre-loved products as the fashion house's commitment to crafting a better made future for all. This immersive experience brings the four unique pillars of Coach Reloved together, upcrafted, vintage, restored and remade to life, through bespoke events and activations, including the Coach Craftsmanship Bar, the opportunity to shop Coach Reloved bags, as well as the interactive collaborations with visiting artists throughout the experience. First up, We're chatting to TikToker and all-round cool girl, Lara Adkins, who has taken social media by storm with her groovy Y2K-inspired outfits and seamless transitions, growing 280,000 Instagram followers and amassing 600,000 followers on TikTok in just over a year. In this conversation, we're chatting about thrifting and her love of secondhand shopping and the growth of its popularity on TikTok. So Lara,
1: tell us about yourself. Hi, so I'm Lara. Hello, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. First of all, if you know me on TikTok or Instagram, it means so much that you came and you're here. But I do like fashion content on TikTok and Instagram, and I guess like lifestyle content, too. That's kind of grown over time into just sharing more of my personal life on the internet. <laughs> and. It all kind of started in, I think a lot of things started when COVID started. I was like a lockdown TikTok baby. I think everyone started like downloading TikTok then. And I've always loved like video creation and fashion. Um, But I never really knew how to mix the two. And YouTube was always a bit too long for me. And then as soon as Vine came about, I loved that. But then that went bust. So, So TikTok came about and I was like, I love this app. And I kind of just started posting casually as anyone does. And it just started to, like, gain traction, which was really fun and really, like, it just happened super organically, which was great. But in regards to more of, like, the curve towards sustainability, I think that was also, like, a a slow grow for me, and I learned a lot along the way, which I think is super cool to, like, share, like, my more recent experience with, like, growth into sustainability, because I think there's like a lot about the sustainability community where it's kind of you're scared to say the wrong things. You're kind of like scared to learn, you're scared to grow instead of like surrounding yourself with people that know more so you can also like learn and grow more, which is kind of what I did and over time learned a lot more. And I'm still learning as we all are, but that's kind of what I do. And my focus on TikTok and Instagram and within fashion has become more and more toward that over time if you followed me for a long time you definitely see that growth which I'm like very proud of and very excited so I'm honored to be here with you guys today We're speaking with, to you too, here with you and be here with coach it's super fun <laughs> and I like how you said it's a uh, you know you've grown with it because
2: sustainability it can be a little bit of a difficult subject to talk about because people are scared to talk about it so the reason we started our podcast was because we had so many questions Bianca and I have been in the influence world for about Tenure and with being an influencer you get lots of gifts you get lots of packages and it's really exciting but then you get loads of waste and we had so many questions and guilt and guilt yeah we yeah. had so many questions around like what was our input into the world if we were getting all of these amazing things and promoting them some of them being sometimes sustainably like minded gifts but then there's loads of packaging and a giant box that you can't break down or recycle and we just thought how do we fix this but we didn't know the answer so we decided to ask people how do we fix it and we are six seasons in and we are continuing to ask people yes we are and it's fun because no one really knows the exact answer but a lot of people have different ways that we can do better so definitely
0: yeah yeah. Thank you for that wonderful overview. I think that's kind of led us perfectly into the questions. So, Laura, you are a thrifting queen. And because I knew I was going to be here with you today, I had to wear something secondhand. So my skirt is secondhand. <laughs> I do love me some secondhand fashion and pre-loved and all the other stuff that we all the other ways that we name it. But I had to and I thought to myself, how do I do this in a way that kind of matches your style and what it is that you promote and stuff I wanted to be you? cool <laughs> how do I be you is the question but it's not but what should people really be looking out for when they look for vintage or secondhand or charity shops? Like, what should they be looking for in these places? Is well, th- my first question.
1: Well, I think that's what's like really fun about like thrifting and secondhand. I think at first when I started, I was really discouraged. I was like, oh, like everything's ugly, and I can't find anything that I like, because that's kind of like the misconception, there, right? There's and a lot think of that. It's really easy to get put off, but the more I turned it into like a fun activity of like literally scouring through everything. And finding like something that was like really cool. As soon as I had like that first find, and then like the second, and then like the more, it was also like such a slow growth for me that like I would just do it. Like I'd walk past one, I'd be like, okay, like maybe I'll go check it out and that intrigue like grew and I started to find like more and more cool things and then it's like kind of that exciting thing you're like oh wow like I could have like spent so much money on this but like I found it in a store. store like and obviously that's a great feeling but also the fact that it is secondhand I need to be like very conscious about what I'm getting because a lot of stuff like comes through the door although it's my job I probably have a lot more clothes than normal people <laughs> but I still need to do it in like the right way so when I was out looking for stuff I'd be like a lot more conscious and like being sure like, A, is this something that I can wear a lot of ways with like things that I have. So thinking about charity
2: shops and shops in general, I feel like hopefully we're on the other side of COVID. So we won't touch wood, have to go into you know lockdown again and see shops close. But a lot of shops have closed and cha- I've seen a lot of charity shops close actually over the last two years, which is really, really sad to see. The high street is completely different to what it used to be. But we've got online. So what are your favourite online places to buy secondhand goods?
1: So I think that's another thing that I was like thinking about a lot when I was like put forward these questions like where do you thrift and stuff like that I think all like the London girlies will know it's really hard here to like go charity shopping and find like good stuff because there's such a big market for it here in the cities like any city you go to it's like the same in New York it's just not great because there's just a high saturation of people looking for the same types of things so that's when I really turned to like online places like Depop, eBay, and I actually used to work for this really great company called Finds, and they're like a new secondhand fashion platform to shop. And it's really cool because they like, it's shopped like via video. So, like, the app literally looks like TikTok, and you like scroll down it, and it's like video of clothes. And I used to work for them. It just blown my mind. Did you it's not so see my cool. face. I was like, what is this? It's so cool. And there's like, the more I spent time on like apps like that, I found like a really great community of sellers in London that I really love on like Depop and finds and places like that, because like then I would find sellers with my style and then I would just like follow them on Instagram and every time they were like dropping stuff, I'm always like the first one there. And that's kind of like my hack. For it now and that's where I do like most of it I've made a lot of friends with people in that community too which is so nice and like build a lot of relationships with them and now I just like follow them on Instagram and they're like dropping this tonight at 7 p.m. I like set my alarm like 6:58, and then I just go Any and see friends. if there's anything <laughs> and I just, I just go see if there's anything on there that I like and the more time you like spend on those apps like the more curated it becomes that's why what's so great about the apps changing so much finds is like a for you page of thrifted stuff that's like perfect for you the more you like the more you interact the better it becomes for you and it's like kind of made thrifting and like vintage shopping so much more accessible i think that was like my trick for me because i do as much as i love going in person i really started to like get into it when i found a way of doing it online that worked for me and i started to really find good stuff that almost like the high street became I'm not even interested in it like why would I spend my money on that when I have found so much better pieces on other platforms online do you think it's the way because I live in an area that has a lot of charity shops
2: and I walk past them and I'm like if I had more time I'd come in and be like guys this is how you do it but I don't want to go in there because like you look at the front and you're like no one's gonna buy any of that no one wants that who are you pushing to and if we look at the stats Gen Z are really the people going to charity shops now and buying things but they're marketing for like our grandmas. So, do you think that these online places have a better curation and just like can sell it better? Yeah, for sure. Do you ever get people that are like, oh, secondhand? You know, because there's this misconception that secondhand shopping, you know, the quality's not gonna be there, or it's gonna be damaged, there's gonna be something wrong with it. Yeah. Do you ever get people like, why don't you just buy things from a shop?
1: Not really, especially not on like TikTok and stuff nowadays. I think it's like the other way around. I get a lot of questions about where myself are from and I always feel bad because I can't, like I say, the brand name or whatever, but it's hard to find, I guess, the same things. But no, no, not really. I think that's, it's great that that misconception is clearly pushed down because it's also like super untrue with the way like secondhand shopping is like evolving and like the quality of stuff that you can get. And... Personally, I find, I think most people would find that when you buy stuff secondhand, it's way better quality. The vintage stuff is just, it lasts so much longer. It stood the test of time already. Now it's in your wardrobe, so like, why would it not stand 100%. the test of longer time? I
2: always think bags as well. There's, in the, when we finish, you can look around the store, there's bags at the back that are behind glass, so they're obviously oh, yeah. precious, so we can't in touch mind. them. But <laughs> bags made from years ago always last forever. They're so sturdy. Yeah. And so I find well that Brands that have been around for a long time, they they've got it. But these newer brands don't make things how no people made them before. So when you buy like a, a bag that someone has used and loved, that's from a good brand, it's, going it's still going to gonna work. Yeah. Whereas if you've bought something new and you buy it and you you know secondhand, it might not have the same lifespan. No.
1: Yeah, for sure. It's very like obvious difference. I feel like. Yeah, definitely. What you think the kind of best
0: practices are for brands when they're looking at promoting their sustainability or yeah. how they can factor in sustainable practice into their business. What do you think that the best things are for them to do?
1: I think like the best thing is like listening to the audience. I think people on TikTok and online are so vocal now. It's kind of right in front of you. And I think as a brand, if you're missing it, you're either ignoring it or you're yep. just blind to it because it's, it's quite apparent what Gen Z looks for when they shop now. Like a little simple market research would tell you, it's a about like transparency within like what you do. So you know we should all be like just checking up on like where we shop from and stuff. And most people I would say of Gen Z do now. So as a brand, if like you've got to make sure that that's like all checked out, and I guess like making it more of a forefront because a it's just like super important and like regardless of like selling products or not it should be like the first thought but yeah just transparency and I guess having fun with it because it can be like super fun as well there's a lot of small businesses that I love they use like only dead stock fabrics which are like fabrics that are like vintage and aren't being made anymore secondly we spoke to Mira Al-Mamani
0: stylist and digital creator all about what it means to be creative with fashion and your personal style So my first question to you,
2: you're a stylist, you're a founder, you're a digital creator, but how did you actually start? I think like most people, I started during lockdown.
3: I started in my bedroom at home. I was really lucky because I was working part time. So I had the financial ability to buy new clothes. And also I was living at home with my family. um, So I had their support. But I was just a bit bored, I think, like a lot of people were during that time when we weren't leaving our houses at all. And so I realised I had so many clothes and I love clothes. So I started taking kind of weird, creative pictures of myself wearing the clothes. Uh, A lot of the time, getting my boyfriend or my sister to take those pictures, (laughs) which they didn't really enjoy. My sisters are here. (laughs) But yeah, that's kind of where it all began. And then I got onto TikTok and it kind of blew up from there. I'm much more used to talking to myself on a screen than talking in front of people. But also I think because I've got my two older sisters, they impacted me massively in terms of my style, and they're very, very different. I mean, if you can see them sitting in the front row, they look very, they're dressed very, very differently to each other, and I kind of see myself as being a bit of a amalgamation
0: of the two of them. You sort of like the hybrid, yeah. Yeah, The the better part of each of them. (laughs) You're super eclectic, and I think that that's the best word for it, because you pull things together and put together looks in ways that I mean, I probably wouldn't because I don't have that kind of eye. I'm very boring. I'm like, I'm very boring. But how did you find your look? I'm probably going to embarrass myself a bit here, but I think it came from
3: my wardrobe It came from picking things up that were in proximity and putting them together because it. Was there, and then kind of realizing, oh, actually these things do look good together. I've been told that a lot. People tend to come up to me, and I think it's a compliment. And they say, you know, you put things on they shouldn't work, but they do. I think is that a compliment? No, I think, it definitely I is. Think it is. Definitely
2: is. <laughs> one
3: of those kind of strange backhanded ones. But yeah, I think it came, it came from a floor wardrobe, and it came from hand-me-downs. Again, two older sisters. I'm a hoarder, I'm my dad's daughter, like I will not get rid of anything. So I think it came from I have so many clothes that I wanted to wear and I would feel bad not wearing them. So putting them together in kind of weird, crazy ways just made sense.
2: I love that. Do you have a formula? That sounds really geeky, but like if you're thinking about putting an outfit together, what to you makes an outfit? Because if you're picking stuff, I guess you're not all the time picking stuff from the floor, but <laughs> if you're picking stuff out of your wardrobe and you're seeing what matches in your eye, what makes the outfit for you? Is it like does a bag tie it together? Does the the way it fits like what how does your brain work when you put it together?
3: I think a lot of the time it is like accessories, bags, things like that. My little coach tabby, I've got a baby pink one. It's like Love a tie-dye one. And I honestly wear it with everything and anything and you wouldn't think it would make sense because it is pink and orange, but I'll wear it with like a bright blue outfit and it just does make sense. So I think my formula is definitely picking an outfit based around comfort normally, making sure that I'm going to be comfy all day and happy whilst I'm wearing, you know, you get that feeling when you're comfy and you look good and nothing makes your day better than when you feel that you're walking around and you're like, yes. And then if you have a bad outfit, it kind of ruins your day.
2: So I guess it's just figuring out With everything that's going on, what is like the focus piece then that can tie it together? Yeah, like I sometimes think in my head when I'm putting an outfit together,
3: like that I don't want the pieces to argue with each other. I don't know if that makes sense, but when they're fighting with each other, you can have garish pieces, like lots of them, but if once they start battling each other out, you'd maybe take something off or change something out.
0: When you're shopping, I want to know a little bit more about you, what it is that you look for and how it is that you shop could you share with the audience and those listening at home what it is that you specifically look for when you're shopping and how you shop i'm a bit
3: of like a perpetual scroller when it comes to shopping i'm definitely at the moment trying to move towards focusing on what i already own and re-wearing those things again like repurposing them having them reimagined getting embroidery or doing something to something that you already have that you love but maybe you've kind of fallen out of love with a little bit but when I'm looking to buy brand new things they're not always brand new I sometimes I'll be vintage secondhand all of that I do think I'm looking for the crazier the better a lot of the time <laughs> but I think as I'm trying more things and actually figuring out the things that I know that I like it's so much easier when you're shopping to be able to find those things like when you figure out I've realized now I love wearing skirts
2: with tall boots So it's so much easier. (laughs) I love wearing long dresses with tall boots. This is my new thing. I'm obsessed. Let's stick on the personal style idea. Because that's actually the last question we have on our, our list. is about showing personality. So what would be your biggest tip about showing personality through your clothes? Because this is a perfect example how you have had hand-me-downs and have been able to really just work them into your style but then you feeling a bit lost, Bianca, about your sisters and your mum's hand-me-downs working on you. I feel like it could get quite chaotic for some people and quite stressful. What advice would you give to people who want to, whether it's hand-me-downs or finding inspiration through social media and liking certain influencers or creators and their style, how to find your own style without getting a bit kind of messy in in yeah i get that
3: i think it might sound counterintuitive but thinking less about what you're doing because i think then you're acting on your own instinct and about what you actually want the outfit to look like and keeping in mind the main things that are important to you when you're getting dressed so for me it's comfort so i'm just thinking like i'm gonna take a pair of jeans and then maybe a t-shirt but i might wear it backwards or something like that something strange i think the first time i actually wore a top or even thought to wear a top backwards was my older sister said that that was a thing that you could do. And then I realized, oh, you can actually wear a top backwards. Didn't think about that. But definitely just not thinking about it as much. And Pinterest is really useful. I kind of go through phases with it. I'm like either fully into it and I'm on it all the time, kind of addicted to it. Maybe I've replaced shopping with Pinterest, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Or I'm not on it at all. But it's such a good way to... I love creating weird boards and normally my inspiration is more concept, it's not like your usual fashion inspiration, it's more artsy and things like that. I also get a lot of my inspiration for outfits from TV. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh my god, Buffy is my... god.
2: (laughs) She is my style icon.
3: She just looks so good in every single episode. (laughs) Well,
2: there's a few actually, No, there's a couple of seasons where they were trying different things with her (laughs) and then you're like, that's not her style, but then they bring it back. They bring it back. So I think
3: I keep saying I think, but thinking less. It's taken me a while to get to a point where I trust my decision-making, and I definitely don't fully. You know, I'll ask people around me what their opinions are, but it's not about getting their opinion. It's about them confirming that my opinion is correct. Um, <laughs> my sister's Do they know that? like <laughs> sighing. They're like, oh, yeah. I send them pictures on Instagram. I'm like, should, is this the one I should post? And they're there, just like, you're going to post the one you want to post anyway, so why are you asking me? just trying to really look into how you want to dress and not thinking so much about what other people think about the way you dress. Mm. Because I think I get asked a lot on social media, people ask me, where do you get the confidence Mm. to wear the things you wear? I find the question very confusing because I'd never thought about it. I've just always worn what I wanted to wear. So I do find it quite hard to give like a good, an answer besides just wear it.
2: I think it might be your personality. Yeah, I find it it's so if you don't have that kind of outgoing mm. personality, then it will be quite difficult. Yeah.
3: Just basically do what you want to do and don't worry about what other people are thinking because you're going to look good and as long as you feel good.
2: Yeah, I actually think the best piece of advice is just try and make yourself feel good because there's been so many times where I felt like my outfit's been shocking, but I'm like my hair looks quite good, my skin looks great. And I just, I'm in a really good mood. So no one's really going to look at my outfit because I'm going to distract them with everything else. (laughs) And I think that is generally how outfits work. And I think you kind of show that if you've got the confidence, because again, if I wore the exact same thing as you, I won't look the same as you, but it might be because I don't have the confidence, but you're just like, this is my outfit. Whereas I'd be like, oh, I don't know if I look right.
3: Wear what makes you happy. And if you're not happy with it,
0: change it. Finally, we chatted with Andrea Chung, all about her relationship with fashion, the growth of her TikTok platform, and a few quite funny other topics that you should listen to. Andrea is the founder of the Mindful Monday Method, a five-step way to shop better for your mental health, wallet, and the planet. Her way of shopping has been featured in Vogue Business, Grazia's TikTok Powerlist, BuzzFeed, and Country and Townhouse. She's a contributing editor at Who What Wear UK and named one of TikTok's top 22 creators in 2022. So we're going to start by asking you to just introduce
2: yourself and then talk about Mindful Mondays. Hi, everyone. I'm Andrea Chong,
4: and I'm the founder of the Mindful Monday Method. So the Mindful Monday Method is a five-step way to shop better for your mental health, the planet, and very importantly, your wallet. And it came about because I was really dissatisfied with what I was doing in the fashion industry. I've worked in it since I was like, if you want to count, retail, which I do, since I was basically in university. And I worked in different jobs. And eventually, I became an influencer. Oh, sorry. <laughs> and I was really dissatisfied with what I was doing in the industry, why I kept perpetuating newness. And I essentially had a bit of a mental health crisis in 2019. And that's what sparked me going out and doing these reviews. And it began about me trying to heal my relationship with fashion while becoming more of a mindful person. And as I was doing these store reviews, I realized that quality was a missing component of sustainability. And at the time, I don't really know anyone who was talking about this, anyone who was highlighting it. And the really funny thing is that I'm pretty sure every single person in this room has actually matched those two things together. Every time you've picked up a piece of clothing and thought, this feels really overpriced, or like, why does it look off? And you couldn't place it, it's because innately you knew what was wrong with it. But no one ever gave you the foundations, no one ever taught you to put it into words or to reason. And so that's really the cornerstone of the Mindful Monday Method. And um, if you have watched my videos, you might think that I hate the high street, which I do not, I do not, let's just clear it up now. What it is, is to teach you what to look for. And the reason why so much of the Mindful Monday Method struggles to recommend anything is because of overproduction.
2: But I will leave it there before we get into a lecture on that. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the Mindful Mondays, though, because I have learned so much. But I also have heard people quote it before and be like, oh, you know, because I won't buy that because it's made from this. And I learned from, do you know, that, that influencer that does. And it's people that I don't know that know you. And you know, the influencer does that series and you're quoted quite often. So I think it's quite important what you do because you're helping people shop better. So. thank you that's Shout all out i, I wanted
4: to do thank you <laughs> <laughs> writing the wrongs on my influencer past
0: <laughs> i would personally kind of describe you as someone who is a change maker and hence why i'm glad that we're speaking to you because you're gonna be on the change makers episode so yeah and you're taking like a creative action against what fashion means or what fashion has kind of been perpetrated as for so long so i kind of want to know you've been doing this for a really long time what made you make the move into tiktok
4: So making the moves to TikTok specifically was actually when I was trying to pivot away from being a traditional influencer, if you will. And I had a consultancy where I was doing white label content that's creating content for brands, but I'm not featured in it. And I was also matching brands with influencers. And that was kind of like my main thing for a little while. And I was also like so desperately trying to get away from it. And that's actually when I started interning at Vogue as well. And my manager is in the second row. (laughs) My old manager is in the second row. So I was really trying hard to. And then I would say about a year and a half ago, I started posting actually my timeline is really horrible so I don't want to lie to you, I'll tell you exactly when I started posting it was during the Stop Asian Hate campaign and I had been doing a lot of work around that and the piece I wrote was the first uh, I think piece in the UK to be published about Stop Asian Hate and British Vogue actually published it and this was before it became like this was literally on the cusp of it becoming a hashtag it's a really great piece actually thank you and I cried throughout the entire time I was writing it. And I remember someone reached out to me and they were like, hey, I work for TikTok. If you post this kind of activism stuff on TikTok, we'll really support you. And as you guys know, Instagram is not the sort of platform that's historically known for like supporting activism. And so I was like, it could be a scam. I mean, <laughs> you never know. But I was like, I have no followers on TikTok. Like, I have two. So How could it hurt? So I started with that, and it was true. They really did support me, and after that, I thought, okay, maybe TikTok is different from social media platforms. Maybe I don't need to take a complete break from this. I mean, I do enjoy it. It's so creative. It's, you know, given so many people a platform whereas before fashion was so elitist and so i thought okay maybe maybe so then i started posting some sustainable fashion content on there and i remember in the beginning you wouldn't even see my face now it's like a little green screen my little head bobbing up and down but back then it was just like tons of text on the screen everyone needs to complain oh my god it's moving so fast like i can't read it it's too, too much text yeah <laughs> and i remember my first video got something like twenty-five thousand views i didn't even think about it like i just left the app just went about my day and then when i went back on it i was like oh maybe there's something here so then i posted every day then i started posting twice a day then i started posting three times a day it's mm-hmm. a big commitment But I realized that there was a community out there that certain platforms weren't allowing me to reach or speak to. And for the longest time, it felt like I was talking to a brick wall. And it was because of TikTok that I have been able to find a community and I have been able to reach people who had never considered sustainable fashion as something they even care about. And it's just been such an amazing supportive space.
2: What goes into, or what do you look for in a piece of clothing? Because, yeah, this, is a, this might be a long question, but you have quite a few requirements. Yeah, quite a few. Yeah,
4: <laughs> so maybe, like, top line, top line. Are we allowed to concentrate on, like, a category? Let's do... Coats, leather goods? Le- oh, OK, yeah. yeah. Leather
0: goods is a good let's one. Let's go
4: wild. OK, so if we're talking about, let's say, a bag... I know this sounds weird, but it should smell like leather. We'll talk about the other options later. But if you're looking for a leather bag, it should smell like leather. So you can go around and have a little sniff of
2: these bags. And let me know what... We've actually like. caught her doing it already. And <laughs> The bag she's got on her lap, she was like, this smells so good. Yeah. And we were like, are you okay? <laughs> is everything all right over
4: there? I was at a dinner the other day and this girl had a bag. And I was like, oh, this is cool. Let me see it. And before I knew it, I just like walked off into a corner sniffing it. <laughs> she was like, is it, is it okay? And I was like, smells good. <laughs> she's like, is my bag all right? <laughs> like, with you? <laughs> yeah, so a bag should smell... Like, if it's leather, it should smell like leather. If it doesn't, it often means that it's been too heavily treated, either with the way it's been embossed or just really poor-quality leather just needs more treatment. It is quite hard to tell, I won't lie, the first few times, but also you have to look at, like, the finish of it. Something that a lot of bigger brands do is they use a standard finish across the bags just for consistency. Um, And one thing I learned from a designer is with... Fabric, you need to follow the grain of the fabric when you make a garment, but with leather you just need to pay attention to thickness even then a lot of bags are padded out and there's nothing wrong with that it's just again to create consistency and I think sometimes there's a bit of confusion um, with quality versus consistency and people might confuse oh you've used padding does that mean that you're like trying to cheapen it and it's like because if it's it's a mass brand it's not an artisanal brand then obviously you need every piece to look the same or you're going to get complaints like a lot of complaints another thing to note is the stitching obviously you want it to be uniform smallest stitches are more elegant and take obviously a slightly longer time. One thing that's interesting is that leather goods are actually created in different factories to other garments. So a lot of people think, okay, I know that a brand doesn't only have their own factory. I know that they must like outsource it. But actually each category has a different factory. And so also people are like, oh what brand do you recommend? And unless that brand is only like one category, I don't like to recommend because it's so inconsistent. And also every department have different budgets too, different buying teams it's just impossible.
0: Yeah, and I think the experience there as well kind of sits on it. So you've got all these different teams and different people of different levels of experience and expertise. If they don't care in the same way, you're not going to get the same quality for, let's just say, your hardware as you would for your stitching or your this or your that. So it's, no, it's really interesting, actually. I've never thought about bags in this way. I've
2: never thought about anything in this way. It's <laughs> quite interesting. No, because you buy. As a consumer, I feel like a lot of us, we just see something and we're like, I like that. I'm going to buy it. I but buy I don't it, really perhaps. think about... the Probably the biggest thing I'll ever think about is what's the sustainability policy on their website? Yeah. That's as far as I would go. And if they're telling me something that I feel like I understand and can get down with, I'm like, yeah, cool. Outside of that, like, I never think about like what goes into the stitching, which is really important because we're... Yeah. Giving them our money. hundred yeah. percent. And also I think quality is one of the things that as consumers we can actually learn to check for.
4: Whereas so many things like everything else basically, even a representative of the brand wouldn't be able to tell you hundred percent of what was going on because they wouldn't know. So this is why I hold quality in such high esteem because amidst all the greenwashing and amidst all the confusion and people having different agendas and different goals, if you can spot quality you'll know, okay, at least I'm spending the amount I feel is fair for this product. Another thing to look out for with bags, I know is something that people love to talk about on TikTok is like, is it worth it? And I think we have to factor in not just material value, so that's what I've been talking about, the material value, but also cultural value, and a lot of that is resale or even rental, right? And Because I think things that have a good resale value or good rental value are also culturally valuable. Right, Otherwise, you could just rent out a generic, I don't know, any bag with no branding or no reputation,
0: right? But it just wouldn't rent. It just wouldn't sell. This is so interesting. I'm really sorry to jump in, but I feel like I need to go and sit over there and sit and listen as a member of the audience. Because I feel like I'm learning. I'm forgetting that I'm supposed to be asking you questions. I'm just like, oh, my God, this is so good. But yeah, no, that's really interesting because I know we all rent our stuff or... You rent your things, don't you, aunt? Yeah, yeah. You. yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'm part I, of crew. <laughs> no, no, I couldn't remember if you did. But rental is a big thing for me. And even now when I'm shopping, I'm looking at not only the sustainability side and looking at the composition of a product, but I'm also looking at the kind of cult value of the product, thinking, is it going to be able to rent? If I buy this, if I invest my money in this, will not, will I make a return... But will it hold its value enough for me to then rent it out and prolong the life cycle of this particular garment or accessory?
4: Yeah, absolutely. And I think you know, our idea of ownership has changed so much now that it's almost cool for other people to want to like rent your stuff or want to buy your stuff on a secondhand platform, whatever. But back to the back thing. <laughs> um, you want to look for chrome-free leather because chromium is really toxic to the environment. I mean, let's be honest, it's a high-carbon emission Thing So you want to do as much as you can to limit and just like be very aware of what you're purchasing, whether it's new or second hand. And also Leather Working Group is a really good certification to look for. It's become really, really, really mainstream now. So it's not too hard to find.
0: If there were a particular item to be given to you by anybody dead or alive or whatever, not your desert island dinner or your desert <laughs> island disc, but what would your like desert island item pre-loved be if somebody were to give you something? Have you got, like, a thing that you a think... A single oh. item. All right, outfit, piece. Collection? collection. <laughs> I feel like I'm widening it. No,
4: yeah, let's do collection. Because people that know me all know I'm really unsentimental about material things. Like, very.
0: About Elton John's wardrobe. Oh, my wow. goodness. <laughs> that, I wouldn't have even thought of that. That is epic. You
2: talk a lot about the difference between a sustainable piece and a sustainable purchase. Oh,
4: sustainable sustainable product.
2: And a sustainable brand. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. Well, I actually ad libbed then and I said <laughs> to my friend the other day, I was like, well, you know, there's a difference between the sustainable piece and a sustainable buy. And he was like, oh. and I felt really, really smart. So, talk us through what you mean by that. So, I sort of touched on it a little bit before when I was saying quality
4: is the only thing that as consumers we can teach ourselves to know about. and. A sustainable buy is something that A, aligns with your particular goals so it's really important to know what those goals are and B, is something that you've thoroughly checked through and you've been quite mindful about in terms of your purchase and what that looks like is entirely individual which is why I so struggle to like recommend brands and that takes me on to the second part which is yes there are brands that do better than others but Anything that produces at volume newness, it's struggle. And there is no like legal definition for what sustainable actually is, right? And there's so much misinformation, so much like marketing around. It's almost become a marketing word. And I don't necessarily think that this is like the most evil thing ever. But I think it does become confusing for people who genuinely want to buy less but better. And so I say, figure out what your goals are and shop along with your values. And a lot of people will want to mainly shop secondhand. Some people will only want to shop small independent, and they don't mind that it's polyester. Or some people will want to shop super high quality, and it doesn't matter what it's made of. And then if you're extreme like me, you will check every single label. And if it has a synthetic blend, you'll feel a little bit stressed, like, no. I mutter to myself a lot, I'm like, oh they were doing better last time. I was like, so disappointing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, look at that stitch. We're going to have to get like a behind the scenes kind of thing with you and come out with you one day and see how you actually do this because I am so intrigued.
4: People think I'm stealing stuff. Because I'm checking the linings and inside, I'm like really feeling around, and like people think I'm trying to like steal stuff. So I make sure that I'm like dressed quite well <laughs> when I do these reviews, and I'm like, I promise, I'm not trying. This bag you. is too small to put anything
0: in. <laughs> Don't make me laugh. i am just oh gosh, I have so many images in my head right now. <laughs> Does it
2: take away the? Fun of shop i don't know if you- did you like shopping before well i feel like you did because that was like one of the issues no cool. i had a really touchy relationship
4: with shopping okay because i felt like it was a crutch it was an emotional crutch mm. and scientific studies have shown that the act of retail therapy works to the extent that it releases dopamine but it's the actual planning to shop going searching the hunt that's what releases that feel good hormone but not the actual purchase and i remember that i would like get so excited browsing new in on whatever website for like two hours and i would just like filter down feel filter, like actually I can't afford that oh that looks like a similar version but it's cheaper and then i wouldn't like check the composition and then by the time it arrives i'm just so over it because it's not actually what i wanted it's the shadow of what i wanted and i feel like that's so reflective of what my emotional state was. Like I wanted to be happy, I wanted to be at peace. I wanted to be the best version of myself, but I was opting for a shadow of that, which is someone who dressed like the best version of myself, but I wasn't living it. And there were so
0: many people that are like that. It's unbelievable. So yeah. No, thank you for sharing that by the way, because that's really sweet and personal. But yeah. Sorry, I always get really deep. I
4: <laughs> <laughs> <They> like it. <laughs> that was kind of why the method's called mindful monday method and i don't think that comes across as much on social media but it is so tied to mental health and i think i have a book coming out i'm allowed to plug, talk plug, about plug. it okay. i'm allowed to, well actually title tvc but it's coming out in august 2023 i know i have three months to write 65,000 words and i'm like sweating thinking about it but um I think this book is really important because it really will focus a lot more on the mental health aspect of why we shop and fashion. And I think we view fashion as a vehicle for self-expression, but why do we feel so shit about it? Like, seriously. And if it really is self-expression, why do we care so much about what other people think? Or why do we look to influencers to tell us what to buy when they don't live our lives? They don't look like us. They don't have our body
0: shape. They're not the same height as us. Talk a little bit why we're here today. And the coach reloved scheme situation is <laughs> all about celebrating and repairing what you already have just kind of want to know a little bit more like why you like that and what's your favorite thing about what it is that coach are doing so on the
4: whole idea of like something being upcycled or reworn or recycled like not recycled in the textile association sense but for yourself is that you already bought it and you really love it so you're just reinvesting it you're reinvesting in yourself actually and i really like that and actually, the skirt I'm wearing used to be a dress that my rabbit tore apart. And you can see the original dress on my feed. Uh, <laughs> my who? rabbit is a good girl sometimes, I promise. But it got turned into a skirt. And I think that's so much more meaningful, right? There's a reason you bought it in the first place.
0: There's a story behind every garment, isn't there? So, And I think, if anything, having having your rabbit tear it up <laughs> and then make something still completely wearable, beautiful, and you'll be able to wear it forever. But it's also a conversation piece. It's a good way to break the ice with people and they say, oh, I love your outfit. Oh, funny story.
4: <laughs> <laughs> funny? <I don't> know.
0: <laughs> Traumatic story.
4: <laughs> I think reinvesting in yourself is such an important thing because a lot of the time when we talk about self-love, it's always about spending more, but with somebody else spend more buy this like 50 pound yoga class you'll feel better if you really love yourself you'll buy this 200 pound t-shirt and it's like what's really loving yourself is actually just like looking at what you already have what you've already built and being like okay i'm going to reinvest in this this is why i think repair and upcycling is so important and even better if you can teach yourself some of these basic skills and i really think that it's such a lost skill as well yeah because quality comes at all price points it's not exclusive to luxury
2: i'm so glad you said that because I think when we think about quality, the word, it screams expensive, but that's not what quality means. No, especially not in the digital age where you can
4: price anything however you want and there's such a discrepancy. That's a whole other podcast um, for you. (laughs) A whole other episode for you. We won't get into that. But no, expensive never means sustainable. Expensive never means quality. This is why sustainable buys over sustainable brands. 100%.
0: Next week is the final episode of this mini-series. Until then, you can listen back to the previous episodes of Sustainably Influenced on all good podcast platforms and follow at Sustainably Influenced on Instagram and TikTok. I'm Bianca Foley. Thank you for listening. This season of Changemakers, brought to you by Sustainably Influenced, has been produced by Content is Queen, sound editor Amber Miller, and our research assistant is Toyo Douglas, presented by Bianca Foley.